0: We the ones. <laughs> we the ones they talking about. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's they talk Broadway about. sports media. Your
1: fighter? Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. I got seven
0: phone. Monday got night, on, Tuesday on. night, Wednesday night. We gonna line up. We gonna play. Tighten up, baby
2: welcome in everyone to another episode of the music city audible podcast we are brought to you by broadway sports media partnered with 440 sports i'm your host justin graver and with me as always justin Mello. how is it going tonight my friend
1: doing pretty well we're recording this on monday night as opposed to our regular scheduled programming of tuesday we are in the middle of this buffalo new england game which is Pretty awesome, right? This wind is pretty crazy, and it's it's made for an entertaining and unpredictable uh, viewing session. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the Tennessee Titans as per usual. And even though they didn't play this weekend, they've been pretty big winners for several reasons. And they might win even more here, depending on the outcome of this Buffalo game.
2: That is absolutely right. The Titans had some favorable results go their way over the weekend. We'll talk about what the playoff picture looks like right now. Heading into week 14, and then we will bring on our guest, James Johnson, the managing editor of USA Today, Jaguars Wire, to preview this game that the Titans have at Nissan Stadium against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The rematch, Titans obviously won the first meeting. Jags currently sit in last place in the AFC, and actually second to last place in the entire NFL, just ahead of the Detroit Lions, who got their first win this weekend. Jags at two and ten. Titans, though, entered the weekend in the three seed, but with the Baltimore Ravens loss to Pittsburgh on that crazy two-point conversion attempt that, I mean, it was crazy to try and go for two, I think, in that situation. Um, The Titans move up to number two, and depending on what happens with this New England-Buffalo game, the Titans could find themselves back in the one seed, because if the Patriots lose to the Bills, the Titans will have a better record at 8-4 and four than the Patriots 8-5. and five, And we'll go back to the one seed. And they'll beat the Bills and the Chiefs and the Ravens in the tiebreaker with a better conference record than all those teams. So the Titans have a chance, depending plus, on how this plus game shakes out. they beat the
1: Bills and the Chiefs, right? So.
2: They did, but that actually won't matter because of the Ravens gotcha, also being tied. Gotcha, um, gotcha. That four-way tie will go to a conference record tiebreaker. So lots can happen. Still, obviously, four weeks left in the regular season, so plenty of different possible avenues here for the Titans, but they're basically in the playoffs. Um, It's not 100% lock right now. The Colts did get a victory easily over the Houston Texans, who, I mean, can the Titans just get a game like what the Colts played against on Sunday? Like, I know they had great games against the Rams and the Saints and, like, Generating turnovers and like not winning the yardage battle or the possession battle, but still having a favorable outcome in the game. But the way that Colts-Houston game unfolded, it was like Tyrod Taylor threw one of the worst. This is the second time this season he's thrown in one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen at the sideline. Just like trying to like dump the ball out of bounds or something and literally just
1: handing it to the other team. I just want the Titans. I think he to be tried to, to get it to his receiver there, right? You're talking about the one that was the first play of the game, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think he's trying to get it to his receiver, which might be even worse, right? I'm pretty sure he was throwing it to his man, but
2: yeah, pretty, pretty poor awful. Throw, but...
1: as you said. And can the Titans get one of these games? I mean, they they did beat Jacksonville, I guess, in rather comfortable fashion. What was it like 37 True. something? I think it was. Uh, the first game, but who knows, right? I mean, the way they're banged up right now, I don't know that they're gonna have one of those over these next couple of weeks.
2: I agree. It's just be, it'd be nice if they play a bad team that plays bad, you know, like we don't well, need to Jacksonville,
1: get Jacksonville, right? I mean, Yeah. So
2: Jacksonville could do that. So this is another chance. The Jets enough. obviously showed up and played with the big plays quick. that they literally Corey Davis had a hundred yards and he had not a single other hundred yard game this whole season. Like the way the Jets were now able to move the ball downfield yep. and now he's out Can for. Can I the say year. something
1: really quick? I want to interrupt you for two things that I want to say just because I thought it was hilarious. Number Absolutely. one, Hit it. The Pittsburgh Steelers-Baltimore Ravens game. Shouldn't be going back to it. This is a Titans podcast, but I just have to get these two things off my chest. If you didn't see Mike Tomlin's post-game press conference, I highly recommend you give it a watch. It was absolutely hilarious, his answer to being asked. Uh, were you surprised that Baltimore went for two? His response being, and I'm obviously uh, paraphrasing here, we said something of the sort of, uh, no, not really. They lean heavily into analytics. So they are very predictable. <laughs> so yeah. I thought that was a great quote. He knew exactly what he was doing. It's a Pittsburgh. It's the sorry, it's a Baltimore team. He obviously uh, dislikes greatly. So I thought that quote was absolutely hilarious. And secondly, what was John Harbaugh doing? Look, I'm going to h- hint this with a tint of sarcasm here. Anytime you're playing an offensive juggernaut, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, you got to go for two, right? You can't risk that game going overtime and, and giving the ball first to the 39 year old uh, geriatric Ben Roethlisberger, right? You can't potentially risk. So I, I have no idea what the hell uh, Harbaugh was saying in there. With that said, it was, it was a pretty good play call. I actually thought the play call yeah. was excellent and should have been executed. Like he should have walked into the end zone.
2: It was, I mean, on the one hand, you had an open receiver in the flat right in front of the goal line. On the other hand, You have T.J. Watt rushing free off the edge right at your quarterback. And if that's any other quarterback, he doesn't even get a pass off there. Like, Lamar Jackson, the fact that he threw the ball and didn't get sacked was an incredible play by him. So, yeah, he missed the throw. I mean, I don't know if it's a real— Like, a great play call would have been one that's more easy to execute, but I don't hate That's a fair
1: counterpoint, I'll give you that. But I I thought, you know— the way it's designed, you're certainly going to get a guy like Mark Andrews running completely uncovered there within two yards, really, of your quarterback and of the end zone, obviously. I think Lamar's got to obviously make that throw and, and convert that. But well, you, you do a good point. Any play that has T.J. Watt rushing free at your quarterback deserves to be questioned. I, I get that. Right.
2: Um, Harbaugh said after the game that they went for it because the uh, they didn't have any healthy cornerbacks. Obviously, Marlon Humphrey's now out for the year, too, which is a big blow to them. But okay, you flip a coin, you could get the ball and go score just because your your best quarterbacks are out doesn't mean you can't get a stop against Ben Roethlisberger, who's been playing bad all year, whose arm looks not functional anymore. So I don't know. I'm not going to complain about it too much. No, it was I'm great happy. for the
1: Titans. It was terrific for the <laughs> Titans uh, to watch Baltimore. Not only if you just hate the Ravens, obviously, but for the playoff seeding as well, as we mentioned. Exactly. So we're awaiting the finish of this Buffalo-New England game. We we may be done recording this episode by then, but it'd be great to see uh the Titans are the one scene again.
2: Yeah, where it is currently halftime, so Buffalo will have some work to do in the second half to uh, prove they can move the ball without the, uh, you know, muffed... What happened on that play? Hit Nikhil Harry's helmet or something? That was crazy. Um,
1: and he had no clue, clearly, because he made yeah. zero attempt to try to recover the ball. There was no They showed,
2: they showed no plenty of shots of him, him on sword. the sideline being sad, though, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's get into this news. Titans. Titans made yes. some moves today.
2: So, Julio Jones, Titans have decided to designate him to return from injured reserve. I'm looking at Twitter right now. Buck Rising's got a show going right now, and his headline is. Titans get big boost with Julio Jones news plus week 13 results. I agree on the week 13 results. I'm not sure that the Julio Jones news is a big boost yet. I'm not saying it won't be by Sunday, but let's be clear about what happened here. They have designated him to return from injured reserve. They have opened the window. It allows him to go back to practice with the team, and it allows him to possibly be activated. They have 21 days. Now, that doesn't mean he's playing day Sunday. Yeah, that doesn't mean he's playing Sunday against Jacksonville, but they also designated Racy McMath and Dane Crookshank to return from the IR list, so pretty good day for the Titans. I mean, the McMath and Crookshank will be huge for the special teams units, and we talked about this a lot last week. If Julio Jones can play, the Titans really need him in this game. So do you think he'll be back on Sunday?
1: I went on a pretty epic rant right last you weekend, did. saying that if he if he can be out there, he needs to be out there. So I would say it's obviously a really good sign that it's Monday and they've already you know designated him to return. As you said, triggered the 21 day window for him to practice without counting against the active roster, the 53 man roster that is. I'm going to say he is going to be out there Sunday. Again, I I think it's a great sign that this happened on Monday. It gives them several practices uh, for them to evaluate him. Now, of course, as you said, that doesn't necessarily mean that that evaluation is going to go well. Right. And that he's going to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, showcase himself in a manner that's healthy enough to be out there. But look, they gave him four weeks off. Right. Again, goes back to the rant I went on last week. They knew what they were doing, putting him on IR, knowing he had to miss three games. Uh, knowing that they had the extra bye week in there so that he would miss three games and it would be four weeks, right, for him to rest that hamstring. I I think that was obviously, you know, done uh, with that intention from the very beginning. Uh, I I do think he's going to be out there. I'll be, you know, A, a little surprised and B, disappointed if he is.
2: Now, there's always a chance, unfortunate chance, that he could have a setback at practice this week, which is – how he ended up on IR in the first place. It was not a game Ooh. injury. It was a basic little
1: warm-up route in practice where he he's, pulled up lame. He's had a million setbacks, right, dating back to last season in Atlanta. So its you'd be foolish to rule out the possibility of a setback.
2: Right. So I do think – I agree with you. I do think, barring that happening, we will see Julio on the field, and they really need him. I mean, when you think about – we all <laughs> know who's out, but when you just say it out loud, it it really is crazy that – you know, they've been playing without A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Marcus Johnson, your top three receivers, Derrick Henry, Darrington Evans, your top two running backs, like that's all your skill I positions. Has to cut Josh
1: Reynolds midseason too, right? You can, yeah. of, you can kind of throw that in there. I know he didn't do much, but coming in, you certainly thought he was one of your, you know, three or four most talented receivers, right? So right. you could argue they're, they're four most pure talented receivers, right, from a raw talent perspective. Of course, with Brown and Julio, and you'd probably say Marcus Johnson and Josh Reynolds would have been three and four. And their top three running
2: backs when you count Jeremy McNichols in the McNichols, mix too, yeah. who has not returned to practice That's with a concussion. Crazy. Seven guys, right? You're
1: top seven guys potentially, right?
2: That's crazy that they've even won any games without the talent that they have. But obviously the last two games have been a struggle to not turn the ball over, to get points on offense. They move the ball just fine, but that'll be the difference here. So as we turn our attention to Jacksonville, before we bring our guest on, I kind of want to cover this with you because it's another chance now for the Titans to not play down to a bad opponent. And the Jags are bad. I mean... They are at the point in their season. (laughs) Yeah, really bad. They're at a point in their season now where players are no longer going to be interested in winning games. They're going to be more interested in either auditioning for a team that they could move to next season or a new coaching regime if Urban Meyer does not last the offseason or just self-preservation and the kind of plays we've seen. Unfortunately, we won't have Derrick Henry in this game, but if you remember 2018, week 14. Thursday night football, Derrick Henry runs for four touchdowns. And by the end of that game, it was clear. I mean, Jalen Ramsey was like pulling up. Nobody wanted to get hit or take hits in week 14 at the end of a game you're getting blown out in, right? So I think we could see that kind of situation unfold if the Titans come in and take care of business in the first half and get off to a good start and, and force that mentality for the Jags. But what do you think we see from this Titans team coming off a bye, obviously getting a little healthier is this going to be another one of those play down to the opponent, let down performances, or do you think the Titans come out and reestablish themselves as a top team in the AFC with this showing?
1: I I, I guess you're asking me for a prediction and I'll try to answer it. But the true answer that I have for you is I have no freaking clue. And I think anyone saying otherwise, um, you know, would, would be lying. Right. I mean, the, they, they've turned the ball over what, nine times, I think in the last two weeks, I mean, five times against Houston, four times uh, against New England. Um, You know, we we know, I mean, even with Julio back, he's one guy. He might be on a pitch count. Who knows? Uh, We know that this offense is capable of of struggling, right? Even against the worst opponents. Again, I understand they move the ball well against Houston, but you can't tell me that the word struggle isn't appropriate when you turn it over. Uh, You have, you know, you have your quarterback throwing four interceptions in that game. So, uh, you know, Jacksonville, make no mistake. They're not worse than Houston. They're just as bad, but they are not worse than them, in my opinion. So, uh, you you know, you're looking at that Houston game. I don't know how you can enter this one and say that you feel 100% confident that it's definitely. Look, I don't think it's going to be as bad. I don't think you're going to turn it over five times. It's going to throw four interceptions. But my point is. They're obviously capable of playing down to that level of competition because we just saw it
2: happen two weeks ago. that's right. One interesting quirk in the standings. the Texans are fifteenth in the AFC. The Jags are sixteenth. Houston wins the tiebreaker based on that head-to-head matchup. But the Houston Texans are already mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. The Jags at two and ten might as well be. Nobody even thinks they have a chance. but oh, technically, they're mathematically alive. <laughs> they're mathematically alive despite and here, being and here behind you Houston are
1: talking about self preservation no these guys are trying to go on a run baby they're trying to finish the year <laughs> get the seventh seed in the playoffs you know <laughs> i don't even know
2: how this works honestly it must have something to do with their like remaining schedules and like who Houston plays versus who Jacksonville plays like there's no possible way for Houston to get in and like there's maybe <laughs> one scenario that has to happen exactly every week for the last 4 weeks for Jacksonville to get in but yeah, uh, obviously not a playoff team by any stretch. So I think that – do you have anything else to add here that you don't want our Jags-biased um, guest to hear you say before we move on?
1: <laughs> no, I mean, again, I I'm, I hate to be on the fence that way. But, uh, again, I, I think you'd be lying to yourself if you said that you entered with 100% confidence that they can't play down to the level of competition, right? We've seen it a few times. Look, they're still banged up, right? I mean, even if Julio's out there, you're still not going to have, of course, Derrick Henry. You're not going to have AJ Brown. You're not going to have Bud Dupree. Uh, You're also hoping, uh, one thing we probably shouldn't brush over, uh, you would really like to get David Long and and even Rashawn Evans back in this game because inside linebackers really banged up right now. Monty Rice is on IR, will have to miss three games. Uh, Chris Jackson, by the way, is still on IR, so you're not going to have him uh, at corner either. Uh, I think Jack Rabbit could potentially be questionable. It's obviously been a while since we've gotten an injury report, but he seemed to kind of be going in the wrong direction injury-wise last time uh, we saw him on the field. So you're still going to have a lot of guys missing, right, from this game. I mean, Nate Davis is still dealing with the concussion. That's scary and unpredictable. You have no clue. You know, I, I mentioned that even though I do feel that Aaron Brewer is playing better at right guard than Nate Davis currently is. Uh, Jeremy McNichols is also dealing with a concussion still, so you you don't know if you're going to have him. There, th- this team is still really banged up, and the bye week did not solve all of those issues. In fact, it probably solved very few of them. Right? Yeah, you get Julio back. Hopefully, Crookshank and, and Longy and Evans would be huge. Right? I think it's really important that both of those guys come back. But make no mistake, this team is still really, really banged up. Yeah, you know.
2: All that said, I I will go on to say that I think the Titans will. Come off the bye, fresh, motivated. I think this is they're gonna look at these last four games as not the playoffs starting necessarily because they're they're gonna make it. You know, it's not like they have to win all these games, but playoff mentality from I think this point until they're done playing football this year or or 2022. I mean, this season. So I think we will see a a good showing from this team, a focused showing a concerted effort to not turn the ball over on offense. That's not yeah. saying it will hundred percent happen, but if I had to predict the way that this team comes off a buy and off of back-to-back losses, I think we'll see a very hungry. I, and I think they're
1: going to win the game. Don't get me wrong. I, I do think they're going to win the game. I just uh, think you got to take everything with a grain of salt right now. Right. Based on the last couple weeks.
2: Absolutely. All right. Well, without further ado, let's bring in the Jaguars perspective here with our guest, James Johnson. You can follow him on Twitter at sportsgrind underscore Don. Again, he's the managing editor of the USA Today Jagswire. Wire. Got all the knowledge on the Jacksonville Jaguars. James, thanks for joining us tonight. How's it going?
0: Yeah, I can't complain. I mean, well, aside from having to watch the, uh, game on Sunday that I had to watch I guess I can't complain but otherwise you know life is treating me good and uh you know it's December so we all should be in the holiday spirit right but I guess the Jacksonville Jaguars can deter you from that if you will but otherwise I'm good
2: (laughs) right well, thanks for joining us tonight. We want to talk about those Jacksonville Jaguars, obviously coming to Nashville this weekend to take on the Titans. And we have a few questions for you here. To help get the Jaguars perspective on this game. So firstly, we want to start off with rookie quarterback Trevor Lawrence. I'm curious, have you seen Lawrence progress throughout this year? And in what ways
0: would you say? Yeah, since the bye week, it's been a little rough on him. And admittedly, you know, we talk about this in our podcast, right? Admittedly, it's going to be hard to, you know, see him have progression with this offense because he's literally lost all of his skill weapons, his top skill weapons. It started with Travis Etienne, who they drafted to be the most explosive part of this offense. He uh, was lost in the preseason with a, um, with a foot injury uh, that required surgery. Then it was DJ Chark. Week four, we all saw that game. It was uh, the Bengals in uh, Thursday night football, week four. Lost DJ Chart for the season, uh, broken ankle. Uh, so second guy right there gone. So right there alone, you're talking about two guys that run 4-3 speed. The, arguably the two fastest guys on the team. So I don't know if, you know, he could have been dealt a worse hand. But after that, lost Jamal Agnew for the season. He was coming on strong and people more so knew him about his his special teams ability. Uh, but he made great plays on the offensive side, too. And Trevor Lawrence really looked to him in terms of as a slot receiver. He was really coming on there. And
2: then he kind of stole that LaVisca Shenault role, would you say, that people expected and Agnew came out of nowhere, it felt like.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. He was exactly what people were hoping that. Uh, LaVisca Chenault would be. And, you know, like you had all of the fantasy gurus and all of this, you know, saying, and admittedly, I jumped on the train with them saying that, you know, LaVisca Chenault was going to be that guy. But actually, in actuality, it turned out to be Jamal Agnew, who the Jags really didn't even sign to be a slot receiver, but more so to be a special teams threat. funny how that worked out. Uh, but he lost Jamal Agnew for the season just a few weeks ago uh, with, a, I believe it was a hip injury. Then last but not least, Dan Arnold, the tight end that was, you know, making a lot of impact plays for him in terms of his ability after the catch. They lost him for the season with a grade two MCL sprain or well, four to six weeks is what Ian Rappaport said. But we're feeling like it's probably going to be for the rest of the season. So uh, the man just has endured a lot. and, And not only that, you know, in terms of Trevor Lawrence enduring a lot, but the staff has not helped him out. You know, admittedly, I guess that would be hard to do with the lack of weapons. Uh, But, you know, Daryl Bevel, you know, it's not a lot of motions in this offense. It's a lot of relying on ISO situations. And, you know, it's not playing to uh, Trevor Lawrence's strength. So they haven't really done him any favors, especially since the bye week. And it's really, really showing. And, you know, people at this point, like as you go and see on Jags Twitter, are hoping for change. So it's been kind of hard for the young man to progress. But. You know, he does make a throw every now and then, and I know I'm getting long-winded here, but he does make a throw every game, pretty much, that people in Jacksonville has, will say, like, I've never seen that before in Jacksonville, you know, dating back to even when Mark Brunel was there. So uh, it's a matter of getting the things right around him first before we can kind of make that evaluation on you know, if he's progressing or not. But before all of the injuries, yes, he was making progression. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think that's a great point, James. And it kind of leads me to my next question. You talked about the staff, uh, especially offensively. And, and, and I think overall, right, there's probably been a fair share of disappointment there. Do you think there's any chance that Urban can go one and done here?
0: Truth be told, I'm doubtful on that because Shah Khan is very patient. And you go back and look at his history. Well, he's patient, at least in the game of American football. Um, I, I don't follow hmm. the uh, EPL, and I don't follow Fulham like that. But he's gone through quite a few managers with Fulham, so <laughs> it's a little different there. But in terms of American football, uh, yeah, he's he's quite patient, and you know, this is guy that stuck with Dave Caldwell almost a decade, and Dave Caldwell, the GM, the former GM, only gave him one productive season. Uh, so in, in terms of you know a winning season, that was twenty seventeen, obviously. Uh, so. I'm doubtful because he's poured a lot of resources and time and effort into Urban Meyer. Uh, however, it would be wise for him to move on from Urban Meyer because Urban, mm-hmm. as we're starting to see at the press conference, at the press conference, it's it's getting crazy. Like, to be honest with you, he just really never has the answers in terms of what's going wrong with this team and how to fix it. And the reporters, to their credit, are trying to get the answers, but Literally, Urban Myers answered to a lot of questions that's being asked. Is I simply don't know, and I can't answer that for you. And it doesn't look like he was prepared for the NFL game as he said he was in the beginning. And uh, you know, he led everybody to believe in his initial press conference.
1: This show is called the Music City Audible, and I'm about to throw our listeners an Audible on something that they probably do not see coming and will add nothing of value to this show but because that you mentioned <laughs> chad khan owning fulham fc i am a diehard soccer fan and i will let our listeners know that fulham fc our first place right now in the english championship which is the second tier of football of of soccer obviously in England, and they are in line for a promotion to the top division of English football next year. By the way, if they do earn that promotion, that is worth like over a $100 million. So Khan is doing a terrific job with Fulham, maybe not so much with the Jaguars. And by the way, the coach of Fulham is my Portuguese compatriot, Marco Silva. So I, I am very familiar with Fulham, their manager, and their players. So... Uh, That added nothing, and I will now go back to American football, and I want to ask you, James, um, you know, this is obviously a young football team. You talked about losing those weapons. They had a ton of draft picks last year. Other guys that they picked in the top of the second round, a corner out of Georgia, Tyson Campbell, uh, Walker Little, a tackle out of Stanford, I believe was in the third round, I think it was. Um, Outside of Trevor Lawrence, tell me a little about these young players and have any of them impressed you thus far?
0: Yeah, and that's partly why people – are showing up to, uh, you know, the stadium to, so to speak. And, and you know, showing up on Twitter, calling for Irving Meyer to be fired It's because a lot of these guys, they drafted, they aren't putting them on the field. Walker Little, second round pick that they used. Uh, that was one of the picks they got for Yannick and Gakway from the Vikings. Uh, he hasn't seen the field, but one time and uh, that, that game was, well, I don't want to say one time, but in terms of starting a full game, he only had started in one game, and that game was, uh, I think, it was either the Titans or it was around week five, six. But he uh, he came in for uh, Cam Robinson. Cam Robinson had an issue uh, before practice, or basically in the pregame warm up, where he I think he injured his back or something like that. And Walker Little had it came in, uh, and until Walker Little's uh, defense, by the way, he he held his own, you know, for the most part. I mean, yeah, there were some issues. Uh, Here and there, you know, but for the most part, Walker Little, for a game that he wasn't expected to start in, he held his own. But that was the only game we saw uh, Walker Little in. Um, Also, Tyson Campbell. Now, that's the one guy that is starting to stick out, uh, which you already said they took him with the first pick in the second round. Uh, He was looking like probably the biggest mistake of this draft class in the beginning. And then when the bye week came, uh, you know, the, the team did, to their credit for a change, they did some self-evaluations. And one thing that they came to grips with was that they needed to use more zone coverage more. And when they moved to more of that, that really helped Tyson Campbell because he's in a position now where he can, of course, as we all know in zone coverage, you could see the quarterback better. And he's played tremendously better. Uh, since like his last few grades on PFF, I think he had a 90 against the Falcons. And then this week he had like a 74 or 75. So, you know, he's looking like the shining star, even more so than Trevor Lawrence of this whole equation, Andre Sisco drafted in the third round, haven't put him on the field all that much. You know, they got, they have Dewey Wingard st- um, starting at safety and, um, Rayshon Jenkins starting at safety. People have been puzzled to this point because Andre Cisco was a ball hawk type of safety that the Jacksonville Jaguars could use in this scheme. People have been puzzled about why he's not getting the usage that he should. So he hasn't been seeing the field. So really, aside from Campbell and Lawrence and uh, Luke Farrell, who they got in the fifth round uh, from Ohio State, a tight end who they predominantly use for blocking. They haven't really utilized their draft picks like they should be.
1: Titans fans would love to make fun of Jacksonville taking a tackle in the second round and not putting him on the field, but it would hit a little too close to home. So I think we're going to leave that one alone. I just had to get that in there before Justin's got another question for it.
2: Yeah, you mentioned there some uh, Urban Meyer not having answers in press conferences, and I want to get your take on James Robinson. I remember a couple, maybe it was a few weeks ago now, Carlos Hyde had that game-ending carry and got stuffed and Urban said, um, well, I'm not going to micromanage who's in the game on fourth down. It's like, this is a pretty important down here. So I'm curious what you think of the usage of James Robinson this season, how it's developed over the last few weeks, and if we expect to see him carrying the majority of the rushing load on Sunday.
0: Yeah, one quick thought before I get into that. It just randomly came to me. The the team that uh, Walker Little started against was the Buffalo Bills. So this young man was thrust into playing the best defense. Well, at the time they were the number one defense in football, and I mean he held his own. So uh, just to go backtrack a little bit, I just wanted to add. Yeah, they won. There you go. The Jax won. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that that worked out for them. Uh, we want to see more walk a little, but on James Robinson. Yeah, as you said, uh, you know it, he hasn't been managed all that well and and used all that well, and we're talking about a guy here who was. See, what's so frustrating about it, and I say this all the time, James Robinson was voted into the top 100 players in the league by his own peers. We're not talking about top 100 list that's made by Sporting News or PFF, or this is the one that comes on NFL Network where the players vote for. And albeit he was player number 100, that speaks volumes of what they believe people that actually play in this game believe of him. And here you have Urban Meyer and albeit you know, he's been dealing with uh, knee and heel injuries for the last three to four weeks. Uh, the Seahawks game is where he sustained the heel injury and the game after is where he sustained the knee injury against the Colts. He's been showing up on an injury report for those injuries. But despite that, uh, they've been putting him out there and, uh, you know, he's been, you know, basically cleared to play. Uh, so if you're going to clear him to play to, uh, to play or whatever the case may be, you know, people are wondering, like, if he's your top guy, I just listed all of the guys that they're missing, all of the skill position guys that they're missing. If he's your top guy, you know, like what's going on there? Why isn't he being utilized um, as much as he should? They're putting Carlos Hyde out there. People think it's a little favoritism going on out there. I know you all know that he played for Urban Meyer at Ohio State, so, you know, people are trying to connect that dot or whatever the case may be. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't expect James Robinson to answer your question. I wouldn't expect James Robinson to see more than 10 to 12 carries, you know, and even when he was healthy, they were, they weren't using them correctly anyway, because he was only seeing 17 carries. That was his cap when he was healthy. So that was the puzzling thing about that. And James Robinson is a guy that if you give him 20 to 22 carries, He's going to make some usage of that, and he's going to really, really help your offense out. They weren't doing that, and that's, that falls on Daryl Bevel, and uh, it falls on Urban Meyer, who says he doesn't want to micromanage Darryl Bevel and the rest of the offensive staff. But as you all will know, based on Mike Bravel's job, what do you do as a head coach? You step in when needed, yeah. and he's not stepping in when needed. That's a terrific point, James, and, and we're going to end
1: it on that note. Uh, you've been terrific. Really appreciate your time today. In closing, uh, how do you see this game going? And if you feel inclined, uh, you could even throw in a final score prediction.
0: Yeah, this week, now that you bring it up, I haven't done a prediction this week because it's a away game. And I normally write a prediction for USA Today's paper, but it's a away game, so it wasn't mine to cover. Uh, So right now, I'll veer away from a prediction. But uh, what I will say is just with the lack of skill weapons, I don't expect this... This offense to be able to move the ball all that much, unless, you know, Daryl Bevel gets a little bit more creative than he has in the past. And, you know, if there are some guys they can get going, you know, maybe James Robinson, if they start to use him correctly or whatever the case may be. Uh, Laquan Treadwell is a name that I'll throw out there for to um, be mindful of. He's a guy that Trevor Lawrence really likes um, from the what's left, you know, of his skill, guys. Uh, James O'Shaughnessy is another one. They want to get involved more. So those could be the guys that they might want to try and get involved. But I don't think they'll be able to move the ball all that much. It'll fall on the defense, which the defense is good at being a bend, but don't break defense. But when the floodgates just open and they're constant three and outs, there's only so much they can do. So I think that'll kind of be the trend of this game as well. Um, albeit you know, divisional games get wacky sometimes, right? You know, right. You, n- you never know. Like maybe the Jaguars defense has one of those games where it was like the Bills game and they just keep them in this game. And you know, Ryan Tannehill sometimes has the tendency to get in those kind of games. We saw that earlier with the um the Texans, right? If I'm not mistaken. Uh yeah. so that being said, you know, you you can never rule out the Jaguars winning this any given Sunday in the NFL. But for sure, I do think that the Titans will win this one and they should be heavily favored. Uh, But I don't know in terms of what, uh, in terms of a score, what I would give, maybe Mm -hmm. I'll just right now throw out like maybe 28 to uh, 28 to 10, something like that.
2: Okay. That's pretty fair. I think. Yeah, I like what you said there with the divisional game. Titans pass protection has struggled at times this year. If Josh Allen, the defender, obviously the Jags, Josh Allen, not the one I'm watching on TV right now, uh, if he gets some pressures, I mean, Tannehill's taking some bad sacks. And like you said, he's thrown a few pretty bad interceptions this year, too. So we we will, Justin and I will give a score prediction after we let you go here. But yeah, who knows how this game could unfold. Titans should be favored. But like you said, divisional game, anything can happen. Well, James, thank you so much for joining us. Again, we appreciate your time. We appreciate your insights. Everyone out there, make sure you are following James on Twitter. You can find him at sportsgrind underscore Don. Again, managing editor of the USA Today Jags Wire. really appreciate your insight. Enjoy the weekend and uh, the rest of the season as much as you can, you know, rooting for the Jags. <laughs> but thanks for your time. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
2: All right. Well, hope you guys enjoyed the perspective we got there from James. Great conversation. Let's give our final score predictions and wrap up this episode. Do you want me to go first? You always go first, but like, I don't mind.
1: You want me to go ahead and give my score prediction first? Yeah, but I don't mind if you want me to. I'll go. Yeah, you always price is right, will I'll I'll go. (laughs) I'll go Titans 24, Jags 13. I'm gonna say
2: the running game is rolling the way it did against New England. The turnovers are not there as much, and the defense makes a couple plays to set the Titans up with great field position. So I think the Titans win this one 31-13. How about that?
1: You're going you're going with the blowout.
2: I think they should. They if they want to be should. the it's team, Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They want to be the team that they think they are. They gotta go blow this. Jacksonville team out of the water in this game. I don't know. That's all I got to say. All right. Last thing I want to say before we get out of here. Did you see Rashad Weaver, who is still on IR and in a boot, <laughs> get his picture taken with Santa Claus? Because it was maybe the funniest Titans tweet I saw on Twitter over the last week.
1: I, I mean, <laughs> the, I, I, when I saw it, I retweeted it immediately. And uh, not too. to pat myself on the back, but I think that's when everyone kind of started seeing it. I get, maybe not everyone follows Rashad on Twitter, but I do. And uh, I mean... Do you think he asked Santa to make that face? Because the face is just perfect. I mean, it makes the photo. I honestly think
2: he didn't. I think he said, Let me sit on your lap. And Santa was like, This is a you're joking, right? And he was like, No, I want to sit on you're your six lap 6'5, 260.
1: Yeah, this not
2: <laughs> Santa's like, this is for children. And he's like, yeah. I paid 60 bucks. I'm sitting on your lap, Santa. You're on your damn lap.
1: Giving <laughs> you a bad Google review, otherwise.
2: Y'all go follow Rashad Weaver, at Rashad Weaver. Very simple. If you didn't see this tweet, because I promise it will make you laugh. The way that he posted it with the like the slowly zooming in on Santa's oh. face. And then James made Santa, that Santa face, his new Twitter avatar. So this is all amazing.
1: Great to see James um, back on Twitter, by the way.
2: Yeah, it is. It is. At South Texas Titan for all you There's James fans. Meme champion, what, two, three him. years
1: in a row? has gotten right. like free tickets to Titans game 2 years in a row at least due to his excellent making of memes. So shout That's out to Jake.
2: Very true. And one other thing, this is just a cool stat um before week 13's games, which it's important to say that because otherwise we'll never get to say this stat. Jeffrey Simmons led all interior defenders in the NFL in total pressures again without having his bye yet when everyone else basically had. But who cares? 49 pressures for Simmons. Send them to the Pro Bowl. Go vote for the Pro Bowl. I got a video coming out soon that will help get all of the Titans players in the Pro Bowl, so be ready for that on Twitter. But uh, yeah, that's all I got. Anything else you want to say before this episode is finished?
1: That does it. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in and tighten up.
2: And tighten up. You can follow Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. You can follow me. At Titans Film Room. And actually I lied. I have one last thing to do before we get out of here because guess what? We got some shout-outs. We got a shout-out. Let's do we it. You got you, you promised to outs. read them. We will. So these both came in on December 1st. Happy December, everybody. Sadly, not a Dehember. That really makes me sad, but maybe we'll get um what is what do they call? It? Henuary? Is that it? Henuary? Henuary,
1: jet ja, 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 I don't know. I saw someone try it with January, I think, and I don't even know what they said. <laughs>
2: Jan-U-Henry? No, that doesn't work. Whatever.
1: Let's get to these Uh, shout-outs. Nickname484848
2: says, Justin Up! An excellent Titans review podcast with game recaps, insightful interviews, and even one or two accurate predictions. The Titans fan base can be a bit dramatic, but these two bring a level of rationality to your ears every week. Stellar off-season content as well. I would recommend this show to just about any NFL fan except Jags. And really, that's your fault if you're a Jags fan. Signed, at Jay Sanity. this is our buddy Jacob Sane, follows us on Twitter, participates in the Broadway Pick'em Pool, Broadway Sports Media member, loyal subscriber, and actually, Jacob, I, want to, I just want to say, I passed you in the Pick'em standings a couple weeks ago, and I have not looked back, so you better bring your A game these last few weeks. All right, he's going to come back with hair. a
1: one-star review after that one. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, this one is from Tone BA, whatever that means. And they say, he or she, or they say, A plus show. You guys finally started the wrap-up music at the right time instead of halfway through the episode. Kudos. I don't know uh, what he's talking about there. I edit all these shows and I've never played music halfway through the show, but
1: hey. maybe. Imagine you have been the streaming. entire time and you've never noticed or just every week at like 1637 there's just music playing and you've never picked up on it
2: this guy's gonna really make me go back and check my audio projects to see if that's happening That'd you got to go back funny. and listen
1: to every episode we have ever recorded all the I way mean, after after we
2: finished taping i listen back i listen to the episodes and i and i surprise i cut some things out every once in a while i re-record my own voice because i was like wow that was stupid i didn't say the right stat or whatever it is um anyway that'll wrap it up for this week's show we'll be back next week to recap the jaguars game and preview the pittsburgh steelers Ooh, they suck all right titans better win that game all right until then you guys stay safe out there and titan up